This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing two spells. With Revelations of the Black Cube, we continue discussing the official rules of the Invisible Sun RPG, this time focusing on damage and healing. And then, with One Man in His Time Plays Many Parts, we check in on Iotona. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. With Revelations of the Black Cube, we dive into a new topic in the Invisible Sun Rules Primer, damage and health. Uh, There will, as with many of our discussions of the rules of Invisible Sun, uh, there are some similarities between how Invisible Sun handles health uh, with the Cypher system, but some key differences that are worth emphasizing. And we want to talk about the basics as presented in the Rules Primer, uh, as well as how this might shape the way the game plays. Uh, and where uh, the game deviates most dramatically from the systems we may be most familiar with. Similarities. <laughs> yeah, oh, the- I mean, there, there's one point, but I, I think this system is extremely different. Uh, it, I, I don't know what our metric can be for degrees of difference. Uh, there are some similarities, but there are some very important differences, and uh, how similar they play may depend a lot upon uh, the particularities of your games and your stories. That's an interesting point. Um, and I'm not sure I agree with this one. Because um, with the Cypher system, your health is tied directly into your stats. Um, so your three stats, uh, might, speed, and intellect. And with the Invisible Sun, you have two different, um, what would we call them? Health? Not stats, but, uh, and and they're not pools either. Damage tracks? I don't know. What do they call them in the rules? Uh, Actually, I don't recall, but damage track is a pretty good description of them. Yeah. Um, So how how does this system work in Invisible Sun? So... Each character has uh, two damage tracks, and for each track, there's sort of two different types of uh, indicators. We're probably most familiar with physical damage when we think of uh, most other RPGs, and so we'll start there. Uh, With the physical damage track, when you take damage, you take injuries. Uh, And depending upon the size of the weapon or the source of the damage, you take more or fewer injuries. And uh, if you have armor, it can reduce the number of injuries you take in a given uh, uh, instance. Once you've accumulated three injuries, these injuries convert to the second type of damage on the physical injury tr- or physical damage track, and that is a wound. So if you get three, you would you'd, you'd empty your injury pool of three uh, or your track, uh, mark one uh, physical wound. And uh, the wound is actually going to give you a scourge in all of your Certus pools. And this is just drowning in jargon, I realize. But bear with me. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, it, it, it's not as complicated as it may seem with all this jargon. So what a scourge in your Certus pools means is that you're basically going to take one point of penalty on your venture uh, 
for uh, tasks related to uh, all of your physical skills. So this would include your skills like uh, physique, uh, uh, movement, and all of those certus skills. So so that was a lot of jargon. Let me uh, simplify this and and make it a a little, hopefully, more clear. What, what what is basically happening is as you accumulate injuries and eventually wounds, the wounds are going to make all of your physical tasks more difficult. Uh, there are ways this works with the components of the game, and there's some jargon associated with how the components will work. But for right now, all we need to think about is that when you accumulate injuries, all of your tasks that you will rely upon your physical skills are going to become harder. Um once you accumulate three of these physical uh, wounds, uh, you are dead. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about death later on because uh, it does tie into damage and health. Uh, but yeah, three wounds and then you are dead. And to give you some sense of scale from the examples in the uh, the rules primer, a dagger might do two injuries. So if you get hit by a dagger and had no and have no armor to mitigate it, you might just take two injuries and you're fine. But if you get hit a second time, that's a total of four injuries. Well, three of those add up to a wound. So the net result is one wound and one injury. Um, so I can see the similarities here between, you know, what we've experienced with the cipher system in that. You know, the levels kind of indicate what sort of damage you're going to be taking from a spell or an NPC or the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we we don't have anything happening with the pools. There's no, uh, what's the thing in the cipher system that uh, once you empty a pool out, you move up on the. The damage track, is which damage I think track. is, I think that's pretty similar to the accumulation of penalties associated with wounds. Yeah, it's similar, but uh, with Invisible Sun, I mean, it's always just you get more scourges as you, you know, suffer more wounds. There, there isn't a, a difference between taking one wound and taking two wounds other than it's one scourge or two scourges. Uh, that, that is correct. So in some ways, it's simpler. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I think of it as pretty similar because you, as you are taking damage, it, you are accumulating these penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, which creates a sort of death spiral effect, which I yeah, think is the true. core of both of the of of the approaches. But what I consider core just depends on the stories that I'm telling. So I I could also see how uh, another person who's really relying upon the other aspects of the damage track and the cipher system, uh, such as the increased uh, limitations on effort and all those other car- uh, implications of the damage track, could see this system as very different from the cipher system. So I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say we have different perspectives on how similar these are. Oh, and yeah, I might not actually uh, disagree with you, but I'm pretending I am for now. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It it adds drama. Yeah, you know, this is a whole new year and well, you know, our show would be more fun to listen to if we argued and fought with each other, right? Oh, uh, maybe we'll just create some sort of fake news controversy uh, mm. between us. We don't want to in, in, implicate anybody else uh, just to, to drive our uh, listenership up, uh, you know, by three people or whatever it would do. Oh, uh, but I, I like my podcast. It's so nice and safe. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll try to keep it safe for ourselves as well as for the listeners, right. um, but not necessarily for the player characters because the player characters are accumulating injuries and wounds. 
Right. The uh, the system does provide some active options for mitigating injuries and wounds. What? Uh, so uh, this is something else I think of as being somewhat similar to the Cypher system, but different enough that some people may say it's very, very different. So in Invisible Sun, when you take a wound or when – so an example I provided earlier, you get, you're, you get stabbed with a dagger the second time. And you're told, okay, that would be your fourth injury, which would end up being a wound and an injury. You can choose at that moment to spend a point of physicality to negate the wound. The net result would be you spend the physicality, you end up with one injury, but you don't have to mark out the wound. Okay, so you are taking damage out of a pool in order to like negate wounds? Yes. So you can you can choose to spend pool points out of your physicality pool to uh, mitigate physical damage uh, wounds specifically. Okay. So then why why put all of this complication on top of that when you could just you know take points out of physicality? Uh, there could be circumstances when you don't want to spend the physicality and you're willing to take the wound. Okay. I guess uh, uh, another another reason why you would put this on there is because um, characters, when they start out, they only have the ability to spend one, uh, one point or one Bene from a pool. And that applies in this circumstance too, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, so in this sense, you can only spend one point from physicality, which means you could only negate one wound uh, at a time, unless you have a secret referred to as expansive endeavor, which is not defined uh, in the uh, rules primer. But I'm betting based on context clues simply allows you to spend more than one point. I don't know if you need multiple secrets to spend two and then three and then four or whatever it might be. I, it, that's not described in the rules primer, but um, uh, with base characters, you can only spend one binet out of physicality to negate a wound. I I'm also uh, inferring something off of context clues here, which is expansive endeavor is referred to in another section, which we talked about last week or last, mm -hmm. last uh, episode. And I'm guessing that you need to like, if you get that expansive endeavor secret, it's going to apply to a single pool because uh, in the rules here, it says that it's reflecting that you are a tougher character and you can spend more physicality. If expansive endeavor just says, Hey, you can spend two points from, you know, any pool that kind of, I think negates that sentence. I agree. Uh, I don't know for sure. Uh, the name expansive endeavor seems to be pretty general, yep. but uh, it would be incredibly powerful to have a single secret or uh, ability allow you to double the amount of bennies you could spend out of any of your pools. Yeah. Uh, I think so so, uh, so I, I'm betting what we see is a series of secrets that allow you to spend multiple uh, bennies out of specific pools, which will allow characters to specialize. And some may mm -hmm. want to be able to soak more damage. Others may want to be able to, to, you know, uh, add more of their bennies to other sorts of, of actions. But uh, I, I would be surprised if the one secret allowed you to expend multiple bennies for any sort of activity. I would think so. So anyway, getting back on topic, um, when you suffer a wound, that's when you can spend a bene from your physicality. Right. So if you're out of physicality or you choose not to spend that bene to negate the wound, you take the wound, 
you get the scourges, that is the penalties on your physical actions, um, and you have you, you can no you can no longer change your mind after you've made that decision, because once the, mo- the wound is taken, um, you cannot go back and simply erase it with a uh, the spend of a bene of physicality. So it has to be done at right. the point that you take the wound. Okay, uh, but there are some options later on for recovering uh, and healing. Though it is not as efficient. Yes, it is correct. So there are other options for healing, but they are less efficient than spending physicality at the point of taking the wound. Okay. Um, So that basically covers the the physical stuff. Um, Like like what's going on with mental damage? Mental damage is, uh, is parallel to physical damage. So uh, you, again, have a track for mental damage. You can take mental injuries. Uh, once, you take three, once you take a third mental injury, it becomes, instead of uh, a wound, it becomes anguish. But it, the anguish functions much like a wound. But rather than a, a scourge in your certus pool, that is rather than a limitation on your physical skills and, and actions, you get a scourge in your qualia pool, which is going to be uh, a penalty on your uh, intellectual or mental sorts of ventures. Uh, otherwise, it is uh, very similar. Once you accumulate three anguish, uh, rather than being dead, you are uh, catatonic or insane uh, or uh, possibly you know brain dead or something along those lines. Uh, there was another uh, option in there that I thought was really interesting, which is utter suggestibility. <laughs> I, I like the implications of that. Uh, yes. And I, I would rule that the GM gets to decide oh, what yeah. happens. Yeah. Depending on the, the circumstances. Right. So you might be stunned into incompetence, uh, as in you literally just can't do anything, or you might be stunned into suggestibility so that when you finally take that last bit of, of anguish, uh, that you, you just have given up resisting the mental influence of the NPC, and that NPC can just tell you what to do. Uh, stop smoking when I snap my fingers. Uh, that's unlikely to come up in one of my games, but uh, <laughs> that is a valid example. Is there a, a pool that you can spend from here in order to avoid taking that anguish? Yeah, instead of spending from your physicality, which wouldn't make a lot of sense with anguish, you can spend from intellect instead. But okay. p- parallel in all other respects. It, yeah, parallel, except you're not necessarily dead when you take three anguish and it has a different pool. Right. Okay, that's cool. So parallel, but not on the same line. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, it, it does function in very much the same way. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it does sound similar in some regards to the cipher system in in that you can take resources from a pool and it kind of makes that damage track a little bit easier to remember because there's really nothing to remember mm-hmm. so I, I do like this implementation it seems it seems interesting and I, i'm looking forward to playing around with it yeah and some of this is awkward to describe but i have a feeling when we have the the markers in our hands mm-hmm. and the character sheets in front of us uh, where if we, you've seen some of the videos online, likely where that you actually see the MCG people working with the materials, uh, some of the jargon is make a lot more sense when we have the physical game in front of us and we're moving points from pool to pool. Yeah, they've had pictures of uh, pools and sheets on Twitter, 
Uh, I remember seeing a couple of those where they just have, you know, stacks of cubes in their various pools and just, you know, taking those things out of there at the appropriate time, you know, would really clear some of that up. Yeah. And this has not been hard to manage online on, on even on roll 20 without the physical mm-hmm. uh, pieces. So it has it, worked out pretty well, though. I will say it is, it can, it is potentially quite deadly. Um, um, yeah. I mean, you only get three wounds, right? Is that the deadly right. part or what makes it so well, deadly? If characters have not invested in physicality. So let's, uh, let's say you've exhausted your physicality for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And even if you're, you can go from full health to dead in uh, nine points of injury. Right. Now I, I believe in the example from the, uh, from the rules primer uh, being hit by a large weapon is six. That's a lot of damage. And a large weapon <laughs> yeah. is a very, generic sort of thing that you can just do in invisible sun sort of like um the cypher systems different categories of weapons that's the impression i get yes okay so so six points of damage would not be like a vorpal magical super weapon this would be the equivalent of a two-handed sword okay yeah that's um not fairly uncommon yep so can we talk a little bit about npcs and damage right so uh, as with the cipher system, Invisible Sun does not try to create the a, exactly parallel system for PCs and NPCs. Uh, and one of the ways this is expressed for damage is that NPCs, whether they are monsters you're fighting or uh, you know any other sort of, of non-player character, uh, their health can scale in different ways. So a, an NPC might only be able to accumulate two injuries before they become wounds Mm -hmm. or they may only be able to suffer two wounds before they're dead. So like a low level Uh, NPC. Right. And you could hypothetically have the NPC sort of MOOC where uh, they only have, they have one injury becomes a wound and one wound equals dead, which means as soon as they're hit, they die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you want waves and waves of MOOCs, you can do that because NPCs, you can, change this the amount of wounds and injuries it of course goes the other direction as well and massive and high level npcs may take you know five injuries before they take a wound and maybe they have five wounds that they can take before they're dead yeah we really don't have much more on npcs at this point but do they have a similar um utility that characters do where they can spend you know a physicality or uh, an intellect to you know, negate one of those wounds uh, when they take it. I haven't seen anything in the uh, anything to suggest this from the rules primer, mm-hmm. uh, but I would imagine that they probably have access to armor. Uh, they definitely have access to armor. There's an example down there that says the uh, the Belagos is a level nine behemoth. Um, it takes a wound after five oh, injuries. Nice. It can sustain ten injuries, and it has for armor. Right. So I, I, I'm, I would guess that given however, there's so many moving parts in the system that one, they wouldn't prioritize is uh, having pools for uh, the NPCs and instead just let them have armor for mitigation that, and then yeah. allow the, yeah, uh, you can change the injury and wound numbers to reflect hardier or weaker NPCs. Uh, again, it's. I think of it, I'm guessing based upon how the development of the cipher system has worked, where uh, one of the first 
reactions to the cipher system was, well, why, why can't we have uh, our bosses spend points? And so uh, Monty Cook wrote an article about how you might simulate that, uh, but it clearly wasn't something he thought of as a core part of the system, uh, that he, he liked having NPCs being simpler than PCs. I, and I do one like way that, that too. Yeah, and w- one way to keep NPCs simple is that they don't have pools. They're just, they just have levels. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, after I asked the question, uh, I realized what the answer was in my head. It's like, no, that's too much for me to track. I don't, I don't want to remember that. I was say, if you get your wish, you get to deal with this. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah. So NPCs and damage. I guess the last thing we should talk about here before we move on would be. Uh, death, right? Well, we haven't talked much about recovery yet. Oh, I forgot about recovery. Who cares and about? You might want to heal some of this stuff. That uh, yeah, there is a realm between injured and dead. Um, right. And you, you we, we, there are rules in place uh, for healing. Uh, again, the, the easiest way is to never get hurt in the first place. Um, uh, that's how we usually is, play the game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is game. spending your physicality or your intellect before you take a wound. Uh, so that it, you never actually record the wound and get that penalty. Mm-hmm. But if you've accumulated injuries, uh, anguish, and and these wounds, um, then you you will want to recover them. But it takes time to do that. So you can spend a point from physicality or intellect, depending on the type of injury or anguish that you are healing, uh, to recover from injuries on a one to one basis, but not the wounds. So only those lesser markers can be uh, healed after the fact using physicality or intellect. Right. So is there a way to recover from those wounds after the fact? Or are you just stuck with them? Um, Only slowly. So you can rest for 10 minutes or an hour to recover from a wound or an anguish. Okay. Uh, And you can sleep a full night to recover from a wound or anguish. Uh, but, uh, the wounds are not things you can recover instantaneously as like an action or in combat or things like that. Um, but you can recover one just by resting for a minute or an hour, about 10 minutes or an hour. Yes. Or overnight. Um, and I mean, you only have three. <laughs> right. So if you already had three and you're trying to figure out how do I heal these three, you're already dead, uh, or yeah. insane. Yeah. Or you are you've quit smoking, um, or whatever you, you you the effect of your anguish has been. Yeah, so yeah, really like the system <laughs> only needs to accommodate uh, healing two of them. And so again, yeah, your first one you can heal in, from ten minutes to an hour. The second one requires a full night's rest, mm-hmm. uh, which does also imply that after a day you've likely healed up your wounds. Um. Well, I mean, I guess in theory you can have two wounds and two anguish, and then you'd be looking at a a, a pretty long recovery time. Yeah, well, in that case, you 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 could have two wounds and two anguish going uh, going in. Hmm. I wonder if it's one of each. I was assuming it was one of each that you would recover. Uh, recover but I don't know if it says that one wound or anguish. I oh. see an or in there, so I'm guessing you get you can do one of them. Okay, so that might take a little time. I mm-hmm. was I, I had a, I had for some reason read that as an and. Okay, so yeah, that might take a little time. A little bit of time. Not not as long as, you know, advanced D&D. <laughs> yeah, where we take a few months to recover from this yeah. and roll on Wandering Monster Table like 30 times. Ugh. 
<laughs> but let's say you get unlucky and you do accumulate three anguish or three wounds and your mean GM says you are officially dead. Oh, your GM's not being that mean because now you can be a ghost. Right. Now we're, we're going to have to wait for the black cube to get details on what that means. There, we did have an, a, a segment on a design diary about becoming a ghost uh, several episodes ago. Long time ago. Um, and I can probably even, uh, with only a little bit of vamping, tell you that it was. Yeah, it's like if we had an index of all of our topics, this would be an easy thing to find and, and report. And it would tell us that in episode 17, we talked about Design Diary 5 on uh, discussing dead PCs. But even then, there wasn't a lot of detail there. No. But it does uh, provide some confidence that death is not the end for your PCs. Yeah, and the little blurb that we have in the rules primer is basically that design diary. Like, you become <laughs> a ghost, and you're going to find out how this works once the black cube is released. Um, but hey, uh, if you die, you're probably going to get a despair. <laughs> yes, and I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Any last reactions to uh, damage and, and healing in the Invisible Sun rules primer? Um, well, I'm going to be running this so I don't get to be a PC who gets killed and then becomes a ghost and then pretends that I'm Patrick Swayze in the movie ghost. So no, nothing else to add. <laughs> I'm more of a, um, uh, frighteners guy. So I'm thinking of the characters dying and, and then becoming ghosts and fighting back against the other ghosts in the same encounter. Sounds like fun, uh, but I will likely be running it as well. And so I'll just have to, I'll, I'll be the one having to deal with some of the characters being alive and some of them not being alive. Uh, and given the lethality of the system, that might not be as rare an occurrence as it would be in some other games. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to hear us talk more about ghost and the Frighteners, you can go back and listen to episode 17. I'm pretty sure we've talked about the same thing there. <laughs> it sounds like something we would do. Yeah, I think we did. With one man in his time plays many parts, we will be visiting Ayatono's story once again. Last time, Ayatono put the local homeowners association after the demon, uh, Dak Nomath, uh, who was occupying the house near the market. Um, he put that association after him, hopefully causing him some problems. But what's going to be done about that connection to the undersling that Ayatona had detected? So we're going to be picking up there. Um, you, I, I had a note that says you were interested in investigating that connection. And do right. you recall, um, you know, where things were for you? Um, I think I was just heading to the that building to look in the area to see if there was a way underground. Or if there's some other physical representation of the connection to the undersling. Uh, to see if I can uh, trace the connection between the, the house and the undersling that way. Okay. So. Um, there might have even been a spell effect I was creating. I don't know if we got that far into it yet. But I, I think we were just talking about, you know, options and what you were looking for. Um, so going back there makes a lot of sense. And um, as we summarized that homeowners association has 
frightened the demon that was occupying the building off uh, for the time being. He's probably not gone forever, but he's he's out of your hair for now. So, as a goetic, how do you think you would go about trying to, um, you know, discern this information? Like, how are you going to figure out what's connecting this place to the Undersling? Well, my goetic magic involves creating a connection to other other sons uh, first for communicating and then for sometimes summoning creatures to assist me with uh, various tasks. What I want to look for are indications around that house or that neighborhood uh, that such connections exist between the uh, the, the neighborhood uh, and I guess it would be the, the the red sun. With the Undersling? Yeah, the Red Sun. Yeah, the Undersling has some connection to the Red Sun. Right. So I, w- I want to look for the sorts of, of residual indicators, uh, much like there might be a residue of the connection I would leave if I were summoning a creature from the Red. Okay. That makes sense to me. Let's pull a card. And then we'll figure out what happens and what you find. Sound good? That sounds good. I'm going to pull up my. Uh, uh, cards as well, so I can see what uh, visual inspiration there may be from the sooth deck. Yeah, I'm looking for visual inspiration for the most part off of this. Uh, so uh, the card that I've got is Imperator. That is from the Visions family, the number nine, and it is um, it's not a major arcana, it's a royalty card. Mm-hmm. So, uh, visions, visions, swans, blades, water, and sovereign. You're, oh, we don't know if you're linked to this family, do we? Oh, wait, we did know. Uh, and does this particular sooth card call for pulling a second card? There are sooth cards that call for that? Yes. Play another card on the next one. No, that's the adept. Because the art book does not have the uh, the numerical ratings or the other stuff. Right. It's uh, it's a nine. Okay. It's a nine. It's a sovereign. Um, it's visions. All right. You got it? Okay. So, yes. I, I've got it in front of me. There's a lot to process here. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at this art. Um, so this is associated with visions. It's associated with swans, blades, and water. Um, so it, it's interesting that you were looking for um residue and the the well the man in this art is leaking water out of his chest and he's also standing over something that appears to be spitting flames which hey that's a fun connection um to the red sun well it's a very warlike image mm-hmm you see banners in the background, what looks like a, a, a the uh, smoke of a battle. There's some nasty looking creature shadow in the background as well. Yep. Uh, wheels that look like they may be involved with siege, siege engines or cannons. So it's a very uh, militaristic image. Yeah, and I'm thinking about this. Um, so this is this is a very good pull. You're you're going to find a connection. Uh, but the matter of like how this connection is going to manifest is uh, what I'm still trying to figure out. Any thoughts? Well, I can narrate what I would, how I would be looking and that might, yes. 
inspire you. So um, I would not expect, I would have noticed if someone was literally drawing a giant circle uh, to create a connection to the red sun in the same way that Goetics tend to make these connections. Mm -hmm. But instead, I wonder if there's a more subtle circle being built. If even what are seemingly innocuous items like a cart of goods outside of a store, if there's been a, uh, a booth at the marketplace that has been slightly moved or reoriented um, or graffiti uh, that might actually be part of a giant circle when viewed from above or viewed from a different perspective, but wouldn't be obvious when looking at it individually or directly. So I'm wondering if someone's trying to basically uh, feng shui uh, a giant circle connecting this neighborhood to the red sun. Making some notes. Okay. Um, so here's here's what uh, you end up finding. Uh, so you're taking a look around the, the building here. And you do pick up on some residual energies that you know, strike a familiar chord with you and resonate with that red sun, uh, you know, energy that you've been looking for. And you know how um, thieves guilds would have marked certain buildings in order to indicate, you know, this, this is a safe house, or perhaps this is somebody who is, uh, you know, somebody you need to stay away from. Uh, mm -hmm. this, this energy that you find is very subtle and, uh, you didn't notice it earlier when you were, you know, initially talking to the demon that was in here. Uh, but now that he's gone and all of the, you know, energy that swirls around him has basically cleared out for the time being, you notice this subtle energy emanating from this sigil that's been, um, discreetly inscribed uh, by the door of this house. And it's not a separate house. What's that? Is that a separate house from the one that was chained up? No, the, the house that is chained okay. up. You, you find this sigil okay. that uh, you don't recognize, but it looks like some sort of uh, organization's symbol, sort of like a mark of ownership. And the other thing that you notice about it is that... Um, what you had been looking for, you know, some sort of uh, feng shui circle, uh, this energy uh, that it is emanating, it also uh, branches out into two separate directions around the market itself. So are you interested in following where that might be going or does that seem... Yes. What I'd like to do is see, is there a way for me to get a, a vantage point from higher up so that I might be able to trace what the shape is that these two paths are, are, uh, are you know, uh, following through the neighborhood? Uh, yeah. I mean, there certainly is. There are tall buildings. Um, you know, this is a fairly. Is there an, what's a hot air balloon place? Hot air uh, balloon sounds like fun. I mean, of course there's a hot air balloon place. I mean, this is a market. Yeah, well, naturally. Um, or maybe it's just uh, a, a, a regular sort of, of balloon, the size of a balloon we might have at a park here. But since these are magical balloons, 
Uh, uh, I can get the right kind of balloons to just simply float up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a hot air balloon. What they've probably done is there is a balloon service uh, that you can hire. And instead of, you know, getting pulled up on a hot air balloon, they've netted some sort of creature that, you know, just naturally floats up when you give it a little tug. And that's how you are able to, uh, you know, navigate this craft. And it's got to be red. I guess coincidentally in this case, but instead of a red balloon, then it's like a, a giant fat bat. Yeah. Giant fat bat, but it doesn't fly with wings. It just sort of inflates. Right. So I'm going to go find the, um, uh, the, 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 the bat vendor who wanders through the park, typically uh, offering these small uh, bats to uh you know, to, to children uh, who are, can then float a few feet above the ground. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, if someone channels actual magic, then maybe they can float higher um, and use this as an opportunity to see if there is a greater working through the whole neighborhood and where these lines of power are actually going. Uh, I think we should pull one more card for this then. Absolutely. As you are channeling uh, magic into an inflatable bat. So what I've got is uh, the Raven card. Well, it flies. Yeah, Ravens fly. Um, Raven, it's secrets, Ravens, books, flame. And the the number is six, and it is a companion. Duplicates the effect of the previously played card. Boy, okay. Yeah, every, like that. that sounds like it's going very well. Uh, yeah, so you channel you channel magic into this this bat creature, and like the thing just you know, well, it balloons out, and you're you're able to ride this thing up high above the market. Uh, I know we had a name for this market at one point, but I've long since forgotten it. Um, but you you ride that thing up, and as you're floating up there, uh, you're able to keep an eye on where those magical energies are coming from, from that house. Now that you're tuned to it. Uh, and thanks to duplicating that previous card, um, things are going very, very well for you. Um, and what you see is that the energy actually runs around the market itself and just fully encloses it, uh, in between, five buildings that are set around the market right at the very edge. Um, Some of them are residential buildings. Some of them are shops, um, but they all uh, seem to be connected to this trail of energy that you've noticed. That looks like where I need to focus my investigation. Sure does. So let's, let's pick this investigation up on our next session. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is currently available for pre-order at InvisibleSunRPG.com. For a limited time, you'll receive an additional sooth deck when you pre-order the game. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter.
And you can find me at Tex underscore red on Twitter. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating uh, and a review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps people find out about our show. Another great way is to just uh, tell a friend. Uh, tell a friend about incantations. Tell them about Invisible Sun. And that would really help us out a lot. 